Well, good morning and welcome to Yonville Community Church Online. My name is Dan Bidwell, Senior Pastor here. So wonderful to have you with us. And uh, isn't it exciting? It's only three sleeps, four sleeps until Christmas. If I was a child, I'm sure I would know exactly how many minutes, uh, let alone how many sleeps. Uh, we do hope you're enjoying your Christmas season and we pray that you're able to take some rest and uh, time to focus uh, yourself on the Lord Jesus. Of course, we'll be doing that this morning as we continue reading through the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. Uh, but this Friday uh, on Christmas, no, actually this Thursday on Christmas Eve, we'll be releasing our Christmas Eve service. We'll uh, be having that service playing across the weekend. And uh, so from uh, any time on Christmas Eve, you can uh, click on our website, you can click on our YouTube channel and uh, watch our very special Christmas episode of Yontville Community Church online. Uh, you hopefully received uh, an invitation uh, in the mail this week uh, or on your e-news that you can print and send on to your friends or uh, electronically forward. Uh, we would love to see uh, hundreds and hundreds of people watching this service. Uh, we'd love to see hundreds and hundreds of people celebrating uh, not just Christmas at home, but Christmas with the Saviour, uh, Christmas with us here at Yonville Church as we lift up Jesus and we remember him as a high king over all. Uh, so we hope you're really excited for Christmas. Uh, make sure you get inviting. You can pop it in with your Christmas cards or put it in your neighbor's uh, mailbox. I'm sure they will love the service. I met with the elders this week for our last Elder Board of the Year. Uh, we were very thankful together for all of the ways that you've uh, supported us this year uh, in partnership by uh, coming to church online, uh, by praying for us and by partnering financially. We're very thankful and uh, there's still a couple of days. Uh, this is the last week of the year uh, where you can get a check-in for this year's tax year. So thank you to everybody who's given so generously to the gospel mission here in the Napa Valley and beyond. And uh, we look forward to your continued partnership in the new year.
Good morning, I'm Robert White. Thank you for joining us today. We have a beautiful morning after we have experienced a heavy rain last night. Behind us, we have the sounds of construction going on as we are working rapidly towards bringing this church construction project to an end. We're looking forward to when we can all meet together again in person. Today, I'm gonna to share with you the Bible reading from Luke 1, verses 26 through 28. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Well, I want you to picture the desert. Uh, it's Nevada's Amargosa Desert. This is a true story. Apparently, a long way from anywhere on a very remote trail, in the middle of nowhere, there's an old water pump. And on the pump, hanging off the handle, is a tin can. And inside the tin can is a letter that says the following instructions. This pump is all right as of June 1932. I put a new washer in it and it ought to last for five years. But the washer dries out and the pump has to be primed. Under the rock, I've buried a bottle of water. There's enough water in it to prime the pump, but not if you drink some first. Pour about one fourth to soak the leather washer and then pour in the rest and pump like crazy and you'll get water. This well has never run dry, have faith. 
When you get watered up, fill the bottle and put it back like you found it for the next fella. Signed, Desert Pete. P.S. Don't go drinking the water first. Prime the pump with it and you'll get all you can hold. Can you imagine finding that well when your water had run out? Do you drink what's in the bottle or do you trust the words on the note and pour out the precious water, hoping that your faith will be rewarded? Well, our Bible passage today is all about trusting in words, trusting in the words that God has spoken into the world and trusting in the words that God has spoken into our lives. So as we open up the next part of the Christmas story, will you pray with me that God would speak to us words that we can trust? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we trust that you speak to us through the words recorded here in the Bible. Help us to hear today your promises to us and give us all joy in believing your precious word. Grant us faith this Christmas in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, over December, we've been following the story of the very first Christmas, which is really a story about waiting for the arrival of the Saviour. This was a story hundreds of years in the making, if you go back to the prophet Zephaniah like we did two weeks ago. Although we might take the story back as far as Genesis 3, thinking back to our last sermon series when God promised that he would make one of Eve's descendants the serpent crusher, the one who would deal with human sinfulness. God's people had been waiting for the Saviour. They'd been waiting for God's word to be fulfilled. And that's where we meet Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, uh, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, Luke 1, 26 to 27. Mary is Elizabeth's country cousin. Uh, Elizabeth, you'll remember, was uh, the woman from the story last week. She and her husband had been unable to have children But God had sent the angel Gabriel to Elizabeth's husband to tell him that they'd have a child and that the child would herald the arrival of the long-expected saviour. Mary doesn't know any of that. Luke 1.24 tells us that Elizabeth had gone into seclusion when she fell pregnant. So probably nobody had heard the news, let alone her cousin, who lived 80, 90 miles away in the northern part of the country, in a little town that was the butt of jokes. Can anything good come out of Nazareth, they would say. John 1.46 Well, the joke was on them because God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to bring a message to Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. There's something beautiful about God choosing to pour out his favour on somebody who would not have been considered powerful in the world. I think about it and compare Mary and Zechariah. Zechariah from last week's story, he was a, an important priest in an important place in the temple, in an important city, Jerusalem. He was a man of influence and he was highly respected. Perhaps we might think of him like one of the great celebrity pastors. He was a Billy Graham or a Tim Keller. Everybody knew him. But the greater honour goes to this young unmarried teenage girl from a backwater town. She's an unimportant person from an unimportant place and God chooses her. God often has a way of disregarding all of the markers of success uh, that we count so important in this world. And instead he bestows honour to the humble and to the servant. And we're going to come back to that 
in a minute. Mary is not sure why the angel was there. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, verse 29, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. See, Mary has this angel standing in front of her, um, but we might have a similar experience. You know, you might be listening today and it's clear that God has been stirring something in your heart. Or perhaps you've heard his voice. Perhaps that's a troubling feeling for you. What does God want with me? Why am I feeling these thoughts about God? Why do I feel like I need to serve him? You might be wondering. Verse 30. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You've found favor. And there it is again, favor. You've found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you're to call him Jesus. I imagine this is one of the most well-known parts of the Christmas story. This Virgin Mary who gives birth to a son and he'll be called Jesus and he'll be wrapped in swaddling clothes and we can leave him there silent in the manger until next year. But Gabriel's message is not about a sweet baby. Well, it is, but it isn't. Listen to what he says about Jesus. Verse 32. He will be called Great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This promised baby is destined for greatness. This baby will be the Son of the Most High. That is, he'll be the son of the all-powerful God. He will govern everything in every place when the Lord God places him on the throne of David. And this takes us back to an Old Testament prophecy to 2 Samuel 7, where God had promised that he would establish a kingdom that would last forever. And he would do that through the family line of King David. Go back to verse 27. Did you notice that Joseph is a descendant of David? The promise about Jesus becomes even more explicit. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Jesus is not just one king in a dynasty. He is the forever king. He's the promised king. He's the king who saves. And that's what the name Jesus means. You look at Matthew one twenty-one, and it tells us that explicitly. See, this little baby is the child of promise who'd been spoken of and prophesied throughout the history of God's people. And all the fulfillment of God's promises would come through this little, humble, powerless baby who would be born to Mary. Well, Mary wonders how this baby will be born since she's a virgin. She's not even married. Uh, in practical terms, God could have waited until Mary and Joseph were married. And their biological son could have fulfilled the promise. Uh, that's how it worked for Abraham and Sarah and for every other promised child in the Old Testament. But again, the Old Testament points us towards the answer to Mary's question. Uh, in a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah, 700 years in the past, says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, Isaiah 7.14. This passage reminds us that God has a master plan that he is working out through history. God has a plan that he's been sharing hint by hint and shadow by shadow and clue by clue for thousands of years. 
And all of those hints and shadows and clues that he revealed through the lives of the patriarchs and the prophets and the priests and the kings, well, they all come together in the pages of the Bible to reveal to us God's plan and God's direction for the world. And it all points to Jesus. See, Isaiah foretold that the baby would be called Emmanuel, God with us. And now the angel tells Mary exactly how her baby will be God made flesh. Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. This baby will not be of human descent and not the biological offspring of a human father and mother. Rather, God himself performs a miracle of creation uh, through the work of his Holy Spirit, perhaps a bit like the Spirit hovered over the waters at creation, awaiting God's command. The word overshadowed in the original language is the same word used for when God would descend into the tent of meeting uh, or when his glory would fill the temple. This is language that describes God's personal presence stepping into this world by his Holy Spirit. Christopher Ashe writes this about the miracle of the virgin birth. This moment, this hidden, unwitnessed instant in the womb of the Virgin Mary was the most astonishing miracle in all of human history. The virgin conception of Jesus points to the mystery that this boy was at the same time both fully human, inheriting a fully human nature from Mary, and also divine. In some way that we can never completely describe or analyze, Jesus Christ was and is fully man and fully God. God would become flesh in Mary's womb. She would bear the Son of God himself, Jesus the promised saviour. It's a lot to take in, isn't it? You know, imagine for Mary, this was a pretty overwhelming moment. She's young and to be pregnant outside of marriage in her culture, well, that was something that brought shame to you and shame to your family. For Mary, it could have meant losing her husband, uh, her fiancé, Joseph. And we read in other parts of the Bible that Joseph did consider breaking off the engagement because of the disgrace that her pregnancy would have brought. And I just want to reflect on that for a moment. As a Christian in today's society, there will be moments for us when following Jesus makes us the object of scorn and ridicule. We might be shamed for our faith. We might be misunderstood and maligned and made to feel like outcasts. And in those moments, it can be difficult to keep choosing to live according to the words that God has spoken. It takes faith. The Bible defines faith as confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Mary had to trust that God would do what looks impossible in the eyes of humans. Mary had to trust that God could do what the angel promised to her and that it would turn out all right. A faith is about putting our confidence in the promises of God and hoping that we've made the right choice. And many people will laugh at us for our faith without sight. Blind faith, they sometimes call it. Atheist Richard Dawkins claims that faith is belief in spite of, even perhaps because of, the lack of evidence. But the angel doesn't call Mary to blind faith. 
Instead, he gives her evidence, evidence that she'll be able to verify with her own eyes uh, to know that God can bring life where there was none. The angel tells Mary that her elderly cousin, who was said to be unable to conceive, was now in her sixth month of pregnancy. And uh, it's beautiful right after this story in our chapter, Mary will rush to Elizabeth's home and she stays with her possibly for a couple of months. And Elizabeth's baby, uh, John the Baptist, leapt in her womb uh, when he heard that it was Mary. That's a beautiful story. See, Mary will see soon enough with her own eyes that God's words to her were trustworthy and true. But standing there with the angel, she has to take God at his words. For no word from God will ever fail, says the angel. Luke 1.37 This Christmas we have a choice to make. Will we take God at his word? Or will we accept what God says about the baby Jesus? And will we act on it? Or will we take it as gospel and reorient and reorganize our lives around the message that God spoke to Mary that night through the angel? Because if what the angel said is true, then Jesus is not just a character in a fairy tale. He's the son of the Most High God. He's the king who will one day return in power and glory to reign over everything forever, into all of eternity. He will reign over you and he will reign over me, whether we like it or not, if what God said about the baby Jesus is true. We need to listen and we need to make up our minds if we believe God or not, because our choice has eternal consequences. That's one side of the Jesus we'll all see with our own eyes one day in the future. Jesus as the all-powerful king and ruler. But there's another side to Jesus that we'll see as well if we've chosen to believe God's words about him in this lifetime. You see, for all who've already chosen to serve Jesus, we'll meet him not as our sentencer, but as our saviour, as the one who speaks a word of forgiveness, not condemnation, the one in whom we are born are reborn into eternal life. And this is not blind faith. Just like God brought life where there was none in the womb of Elizabeth and in Mary as well, so God brought life where there was none when Jesus lay dead in the belly of the earth for three days. And you see, in Jesus' resurrection, we see the evidence of our own future resurrection, our own resurrection to eternal life if we trust that no word from God will ever fail. But it takes faith, doesn't it? Like pouring the bottle of water into the pump and trusting that it will save your life. God asks us to trust him, to take him at his word. Well, that's what Mary did. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. My prayer this Christmas is that Mary's words might be your words, no matter what God puts in front of you. I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we do pray this Christmas as we come to you, as we remember the birth of this little baby, that we wouldn't just keep him as a baby in the cradle, but instead we'd remember him as the, the coming king, the ruling king, the gracious, great and wonderful king, the, the merciful and high king who brings us salvation when we trust in him. Father, help us to come to you, to trust you, to give our lives to you, for all of eternity. We pray this in Jesus' saving name. Amen. Hello 
everybody. My name is Charlotte Bidwell. I'm the kids minister here at Yonville Church and I'm going to be leading us in prayer this morning. So will you please join with me? Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. God our Father who has promised new life to those with no hope, grant us grace to listen, to trust and to set our hopes on your gospel that we might live by faith and not by sight. Help us to treasure your truths in our hearts, to ponder on your majesty, to pray through all things, and to bring glory to you always. As we continue church online, Lord, give us grace to speak into each other's lives and to encourage one another with words of comfort and reminders of the beauty of your gospel. May we actively pray for one another as we seek to build each other up in our precious faith. As we look forward to Christmas with hope, joy, and faith, Please bring to the forefront of our minds the love you have lavished on us in sending Jesus to be the rescuing King. Bring peace to our homes, Father. Help us to love you and to love our neighbors. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Well, hasn't it been a great morning at Yonville Community Church online? Uh, we do hope you're excited for our Christmas services. Remember, uh, Christmas Eve, you can download our service at any time and watch uh, our special Christmas service there. Uh, if you've got kids in your life, uh, we also have uh, the Christmas Promise, a wonderful kids story uh, over at our kids uh, page or the kids site on our website. So I uh, hope you enjoy those resources. Uh, if we don't get to see you before Christmas, uh, we're missing you. We really love you. We're so thankful that you're part of this church. And uh, so from our family to yours, Merry Christmas.